are Bex and this is Fun Kids Meet, the podcast where we meet your heroes. This week, I'm here with Judith Eagle, who came by the Fun Kids studio to talk about her brand new book, Stolen Songbird. Now, the story takes place in 1950s London. After finding a picture in the lining of her suitcase, Caro has become part of a dangerous art heist. Can she uncover the mystery of the stolen songbird painting? Then I am joined now by the author Judith Eagle, a friend of the show. I haven't seen you for a while, and you bring with you a brand new book, The Stolen Songbird. Uh, tell us, where do we find your main character, Caro? Okay, so the story is set in 1959 in London, and Caro Monday lives in a pub in Waterloo with her two mums and her rabbit, his Nibs, who's a big white rabbit with one ginger splotch over one eye and a ginger ear. Um, two mums, one is Jacinta Monday, who's a world-famous whistler, and her other mum is Ronnie Rudd, who runs the pub. And at the beginning of the story, Jacinta Monday, the whistler, has gone missing on tour in South America. And Ronnie Rudd has got to go and tend her sister up north, so Caro needs to be sent somewhere to be looked after. She's not allowed to stay in the pub on her own. So it's decided that she will be sent to stay with GAM, which stands for Great Aunt Mary. And she's not at all happy about this, mainly because her mum never, ever talks about GAM. She hasn't seen her since she was 16. She's personal non grata. Um, so Caro can't understand why she's being sent to stay with this person who apparently is like a strict Victorian aunt. But she is sent there and she's not allowed to take a rabbit, but she does take a rabbit anyway. And when she gets there, she thinks the hardest thing that she'll have to contend with is homesickness, but actually it's a lot bigger than that. She gets there, she unpacks her suitcase and she finds a little, very precious painting of a bird. She doesn't know how it got there, who put it in there, but it turns out this very same painting is being hunted down by a notorious gang of art thieves called the Snakes and they know that Caro has got it. I mean, if that's not going to hook people in, <laughs> what will? Let's face it, that's incredible. Um, now, I as soon as I opened this book, I was like, because Caro was in the pub, and I grew up in a pub as well, oh. so I was thrilled to see that. Um, and also, I used to have bunny rabbits, so again, big fan. And uh, what made you give her a rabbit? What was the reason that you thought rabbit, not a dog or a cat? Well, I've already had a dog in a book and a cat in a book. Okay. I've never had a rabbit it just sort of popped into my head one day. I think maybe I was watching a film and there were rabbits in the film and I just thought oh, that would be really fun to have a big floppy rabbit <laughs> who's really loyal and who bounds around London with Caro and is her best friend, her confidant. It's a great yeah. idea for a little familiar, basically, isn't it? And Caro is a great character as well, like such an exciting character. Did you enjoy writing her? Really loved writing her because she's a really brave, resourceful character. Um but she does have her weaknesses. Well, not weaknesses. I mean, we all have them. She's very independent when she's in her area in Waterloo in the pub and she's it's her stomping ground. But the thought of being sent away to somewhere where she doesn't know anyone and it's only, you know, five, six stops on the tube. But it just fills her with fear. She's she knows she's going to be really homesick. And when she's told she can't take her rabbit, his nibs, who's always with her, <laughs> she just thinks she's not going to be able to cope. Hence why she smuggles him. And tell us a little bit about Gam as well, because uh, interesting character there too, right? Yeah. So Gam, great aunt Mary, um, whose Caro has never met before. Um, and her mum never, ever talks about her. She's a kind of forbidden subject. And she really is, she does look like she's come from the Victorian age. Yeah. She dresses in severe sort of droopy black and she wears a black lace cap and she always carries a green silk umbrella, which she wraps on the floor when she wants to make her point. Um, 
and she's strict in the way that she's very overprotective and Caro can't understand why she has to stay indoors all the time. Mm. Her, her and Albie, who is an, another little boy that um, Gam also looks after, they're, they're only allowed to go out for half an hour a day in the company of another adult. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very protective and she's also really frightened of rabbits. So there's a mystery there. Um, yeah, and not at all what Caro is used to because her, her, both her mums are really liberal and allow her to run all over London have fun and then suddenly she's here with this very old-fashioned woman who's no fun at all I do love the idea that she's gone from a mum who's a professional whistler which I didn't think was a thing but I really enjoyed that that was a that was an option and into this quite d- different kind of household it, it is quite overwhelming um now tell me you did mention London there this in a way it feels like a bit of a love letter to London like London is an extra character in the book almost how come definitely so I did grow up in London well in the suburbs of North London and the story set before I was born, but it's also imbued with my memories of London when I was little. So sort of imagining what London was like before I was born, but also with my remembrances of it. Um, yeah, it is. London is a major character yeah. in the book, sort of living, breathing, and Caro loves it. And growing up in North London, I've got lots of memories of being driven into town with my mum and dad and going to all the museums and especially one big memory that inspired the story actually was my memory of the old Hungerford Bridge. Mm-hmm. It was a really dramatic bridge, big iron bridge and there was a very narrow walkway for the pedestrians and you could see the te- a low railing, you could see the swirling Thames on one side and on the other side the trains thundering into ca- uh, Charing Cross. It was really dramatic and I just had this picture of Caro who's a gymnast, she dreams of being a gymnast when she wake- grows up of climbing the bridge. It's her favourite place to come to when she's cross or angry. Mm -hmm. And climbing the bridge and then hanging upside down and seeing St Paul's upside down and the river upside down. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was an image that I held in my head the whole time I was writing the story of this girl who just had this affinity the bridge and the river yeah. and the feelings it conjured up. You can tell that she just loves London. And and also, um, I you mentioned Waterloo quite a lot and I spend a lot of time in Waterloo and also Hampstead and I uh, live near Hampstead Heath. So um, reading the book, it, it feels like um, people you know getting a shout out. It's almost like, yeah, I know that place and yeah, I know that thing. And it was really exciting for me to read it as well. It was and really there's, cool. There's this little, I used to go to um, classes every week at um, Birkbeck University. So I'd get the 176 bus across the river and just as you get to Waterloo you look down from the top deck of the bus and you can see this tiny little cottage well little brick house Mm -hmm. Victorian house marooned on its own in the middle of the island and it used to be on a street called Whitchurch Street I think and all the other houses have been knocked down but this one house remains tiny little two up two down house and I just used to look at it and think oh I wonder who might have lived there or who lives there now, yeah. what might have happened. And it's it's right by the arches and that made me think about living there and setting the action in a pub in that area. I love that London, yeah, has kind of like inspired you and kind of created the book for you. But like you said, it's set in 1959. So did you have to research that as well? Like what was going on at that time? Lots of research, really, really loved the research. Um, so I looked at lots of photographs by um, Roger Main who captured street life in 1950s London a lot of pictures of kids playing out in the street and in junkyards and bomb sites so that was really inspirational um, and then a, quite a crucial part of the book happens 20 years before in 1939-40 just at the beginning of the war which has an impact on the whole of the rest of the story 
So that was another reason, just, oh, 20 years in the future is 1959, so I'm going to set it then. And then I had great fun doing all the research. It's it's such an interesting idea because a lot of books are written in World War Two or mm. in modern day, but I think the 50s is, is not as common for children's books, I would say. That's true. Yeah, it's not. There's so much for the Second World War. Um, yeah, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was an exciting time anyway because um, we were coming out of at the age of austerity after mm. the war and the 60s was ahead of us, which was going to be a really exciting time of change. Um, but there's also loads of really recognisable things still about it. So although there's interesting historical things, I think children reading the book would still be able to imagine themselves in Caro's sho- shoes. The Stolen Songbird is a brilliant book and uh, I know all of our listeners are going to love it. It's such an amazing adventure with so many kind of exciting twists and turns and lots of lots of bits in it so everyone's gonna love it uh judith thank you so much for telling us all about it thank you very much that was judith eagle oh my goodness i love chatting to her all about stolen songbird and how british history inspired the really heartwarming tale behind it of course if you enjoyed this podcast tune into bookworms for all of the latest book releases and exclusive author interviews